Welcome to We Need to Talk About Tech, tech. Uh, where we talk about the past, present, and future of technology. On this week's episode of the podcast, we talk about Tesla quality control issues. We talk about the Apple car rumors reigniting. And we talk about Niantic making a real world metaverse. Okay. On to topic number one. Recently, it has come to light, it's kind of made the rounds in the news that recent Tesla Model 3s and Model Ys have been shipping without charging available for the car. Now, you still charge the actual car itself, but let's say inside of the car, you can't charge your phone. There are no wireless charging mats as they're supposed to be in the cars. There are no USB ports either inside of the car. Now, there's still the cutouts for these things. And if you weren't paying attention, you know, you might throw your phone down where you expect the wireless charging to be. You may try and plug your USB cable into where you expect the USB charging port to be because there's still cutouts for these. But there is no actual functionality behind them. Now, people have been receiving their cars. They've been picking them up at dealerships. And they haven't been notified of these. I don't even know if I should call them defects. They're, they're, there's nothing there. They haven't been notified that there's no charging for your phones inside the car. And it isn't until people later on find out on their own that, hey, wait a minute, there's no charging mats, there's no charging ports. And then they have to bring it back to the dealership. And then the dealerships are notifying them, oh, yes, you know, do... Due to supply chain issues and, you know, the global chip shortage, we're not able to ship your vehicle or deliver your vehicle with uh, wireless charging or USB ports. But at a later date, we will retrofit these uh, parts in your car free of charge. So it's not a good look for Tesla, if you ask me. I'm sure, you know, they're are probably some fanboys and fangirls out there saying, oh, it's not that big of a deal. You know, you don't really need to charge your phone in your car. You can charge it at home or you can charge it, you know, wherever you're going at your destination, whether it be work or friend's house or somewhere else. But I guess I'd like to hear your thoughts on it. What do you think of of these reports, of this news that Tesla is, I mean, essentially shipping incomplete vehicles? Yeah, this one's tough um, because it's it's ridiculous, right? The idea of getting a car with parts of it missing and then being told it will be retrofitted with those parts at a later date is a little ridiculous. Um, but at the same time, I, I mean, we've been very critical uh, of the quality control of Teslas in the past. You know, we've talked about issues with paint not coming correctly or you know scratches and panel gaps and just damaged parts altogether um that that tesla has shipped to customers and i I believe even on the podcast in, in the past we mentioned how some customers were even talking about how when their car was delivered by tesla someone will go over the car and detail the issues with it so that they can send it back to Tesla to get those problems fixed, which is just th- those types of things are insane. But at the same time, 
they're they're definitely struggling to meet the demand of how popular this company is right now and how popular their cars are. I mean, anytime you hear anyone talk about the potential of getting a new car, whether it's in their price range or not, Tesla's going to get thrown out there just because it is right now the default new car brand that people want. It's the coolest cars to most people, you know, at least people who don't really care about engines. You know, it's, it's just a really popular vehicle. And with the Model Y uh, and the Model 3 becoming more affordable um, or the, being Tesla's more affordable options, it's definitely enticing a lot of people who would have generally gotten something like maybe a, a Toyota Camry or a Corolla or, you know, uh, a RAV4. Those are high volume cars that they're they're starting to attract to their brand, which before they didn't really have that right before. The Tesla Model S was a very expensive sedan, and the Tesla Model X was a really expensive SUV that was out of the majority of people's price range. So now that they actually have cars that are attainable for a larger amount of people, they're definitely struggling to keep up with that demand. And it's one of those things where, should they be doing this, or should they be having their customers wait an extra one, two, three months for their cars to be delivered? It's it's kind of a hard question to ask answer because me personally, I'd be upset if I spent because these cars, even though they're more affordable, they're still not cheap. Uh, they're still generally luxury vehicles in terms of the price that you're paying. And I'd be pretty upset if I if I bought my brand new Tesla and it didn't come with a wireless charging mat or no USB ports <laughs> for me to connect my phone or anything like that. That would drive me insane. And then for someone to tell me after I just gave them my money to say, you can send this back to us at a later date and we'll put those in. Yeah, I'd be really upset. So it's one of those things where on one side, I'm, I'm, I'm sympathetic to the fact that they're struggling to meet the demand of how big their car company is right now. But on the other side, as a consumer, especially if I'm a consumer who's paying a bunch of money for these things and I'm seeing Tesla stock skyrocket, because of investment of people like me who are buying their cars and I'm getting an incomplete car, I'm definitely upset. And I don't think any amount of me being a fan of the brand or, the, or a fan of electric cars would probably <laughs> would, uh, would, would stop that or, or would, you know, make me less upset. But uh, yeah, that, that's personally how I feel about it. But I'm curious, how would you feel if, you know, when you got your, your car they told you, hey, send this back to us in a month and we'll put in your USB ports. <laughs> um, and this is one thing I was going to say, right? If they told me that, then I would obviously be kind of upset. But I think the bigger problem here is that they're not telling people this. Mm. I mean, maybe they've, they've changed now since some of the news has gotten out and they're telling people before they receive their vehicles. But at least at the time of recording, right? They haven't been telling people that these parts are missing in their car. So it's kind of, it's been up to people to find out on their own and then bring the car back to the manufacturer to complain about it. That's when they're saying, okay, hey, yeah, don't worry. We know we didn't have this part in your car and we'll ship it to you. Or we're not, we'll ship it. We'll fix it at a later date and we won't charge you for it, right? And unfortunately, this to me is very on brand for Tesla, mm -hmm. right? As great as their cars are to drive, as great as, you know, their whole push in the, the entire field of electric vehicles forward, as much as they get 
positive points for doing that. You know, as you mentioned, we harp on their quality control issues and also them not communicating effectively with people receiving their vehicles is also kind of on brand for them too, mm-hmm. right? It would have been super easy if Elon Musk tweeted out, hey, by the way, there are global supply chain issues. You know, there are global supply chain issues as everybody who's been alive for the past year knows. And it's harder to get parts for these cars. There are a lot of manufacturers like, you know, like like Audi, like BMW, that have, for the most part, finished vehicles just sitting in their lot because they're waiting for parts to be delivered. Yeah. Right? There are supply chain issues all over the world. Everyone knows this. If there was just some sort of announcement to say, hey, we are having issues getting parts for our, our cars. They're finished for the most part. There's just no wireless charging and no USB-C charging ports. If you're okay accepting the vehicle at this time without those things, you can accept your vehicle and we will replace or we will not replace them. We will install them at a later date when we get those parts. Or if you don't want, you cannot take the vehicle and you can wait until we're able to fully deliver the vehicle that you want. Mm -hmm. I'm sure if they had some sort of statement like that, people would have been completely fine accepting these vehicles. Or even if they weren't, they would have known before accepting it because said, hey, you know what? I'm just going to wait until the vehicle, until you have the charging ports, until you have the wireless charging. And I'm sure they would have been able to sell that vehicle to someone else because like you said, these are their most popular vehicles, right? So I think this all could have been fixed with a tweet from Elon Musk, just like, you know, it seems to move all kinds of markets, I'm sure. It would have helped their PR out a little bit, but I'm not I'm not surprised to hear this story uh, about Tesla. Let's just put it that way. As unfortunate as it is, I'm not surprised that this is Tesla doing this. Yeah, yeah, and it makes me wonder how much longer they can continue to operate like this with a lot of competition coming for them. I mean, you mentioned. I guess it makes sense not to tell customers that these problems are happening or or their cars are shipping without these parts because uh, I'm curious if this were you, would this be an opportunity for you to just say, well, I don't want the car. Let me get something from the competition. Or do you think Tesla's brand is strong enough to sustain, you know, getting shipped an incomplete car uh, just because their, their brand recognition is so strong? I think at this moment, especially in the electric vehicle market, they're, their brand recognition is that strong and they don't have any serious competitors like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, like they have some of the best ranged vehicles in the electric market and they also, they have the best charging network by far. If you're someone who is committed to buying a Tesla, then it's probably, you know where the charging ports are or you know where there's enough of them around either in, you know, you're planning to get one in your house or there is one where you work, or there's one maybe you live in a condo that already has them installed, right? There are a lot of other manufacturers out there that don't have the range of Tesla and don't have the charging network built out like that. Yeah. So if I was someone who was going to get a Model 3 or Model Y and I was waiting for it to be delivered, and then they're like, hey, listen, you know, the charging ports aren't there, the wireless charging isn't there, there isn't anyone that comes to mind that I could just 
okay, well, I'm going to go to, let's say, Porsche, mm-hmm. or I'm going to go to, I don't know, let's say, the Volkswagen. Because, I mean, Porsche is expensive. The Taycan is expensive. And Volkswagen, the charging network isn't there, Yeah. right? Well, luckily for them, they're in a sweet spot where they can almost do no wrong. I mean, and they can't do no wrong forever. Things are catching up to them. Other com- companies are catching up to them. But at the moment, I think they're in a very unique position where they are kind of the only game in town for the majority of people. Yeah. Especially when you talk about an affordable price with all of the, the features that they have that they have with their car company right now. Uh, I guess what would you what would your response be if you were going to get a Tesla, you were going to pick it up and then you get there and then you find out, oh wait, hey, I can't charge my phone in this car. Would that be a deal breaker for you? Would you decide to okay, hey, I'm gonna put my money in another car company? Or would you just say, hey, this isn't that big of a deal? Or would you wait it out? Uh I definitely wouldn't wouldn't take uh delivery of the vehicle uh in that case uh me personally i'd probably either i try to wait it out or i would be looking at the competition i I would wait it out and look at the competition in the meantime uh specifically for me my driving habits are so light that the charging network as big of an advantage as it is for tesla for me if i'm getting an electric car the probably the probability is i'm going to charge it at home um, and never stop off at a at a charging station uh, because I don't do long distance long distance driving. And if I was, I probably wouldn't get an electric car uh, just because I personally don't like. I, I've I've rented an electric car in the past. I don't like waiting in a at a charger. It, for me, it's it's very boring. It's almost like being stuck on a on an airplane, which is one of my least favorite things on the planet. So yeah, it would I would definitely not take delivery of the car. I would look at uh, the competition. Um, but I'm, I definitely agree with you. I think I'm in the minority in that. And the the competition is slim and also struggling with deliveries right now too. We've seen companies like Hyundai and Kia, you know, not have their electric vehicles readily available throughout North America at, to this point, even though they were, I think, announced over a year ago, uh, simply because everyone is struggling with these, with meeting demand of, of you know, end parts uh, for their vehicles and for a lot of traditional companies, if it means it's they're going to have to sacrifice the parts on the vehicles that are currently making them a lot of money, they're probably just going to delay their electric vehicles, which is probably what's happening. So yeah, I agree with you. I think for the majority of people, sticking with the Tesla, even though it comes incomplete, would probably be the way to go. So our second topic for the podcast uh, coincides with a big company and electric cars. Uh, much like Tesla, Apple has huge brand recognition and they are looking into getting into the electric car game. Uh, so the rumors say, and they're planning on doing it a little bit differently. So the rumors are indicating that Apple might want to make an electric car in the next few years, but despite it being, you know, a car, traditional type of car, they want to do things completely autonomously. So essentially taking what we've seen from the Audi sphere concepts and, you know, uh, Tesla's autopilot and taking that another step forward to where everything is automated. You don't really have much controls. um, And instead, the car is doing everything for you, which is very on brand for Apple products. You know, they're 
their slogan has been in the in the past you know it just works and imagine a car where you just get in tell it where you want to go and, and it goes there for you maybe there's siri there to answer to your commands so th this could actually be a really interesting thing um especially if apple can pull this off but uh, you brought this to my attention and one thing that you did mention was you know there are there's some leadership changes going on with this project and maybe the vision for this project has been changing maybe you know they're trying to figure out what the right direction they want to go is but uh i'm curious what do you think about this whole project of a an apple car and where do you think they might go with it do you think they might go the autonomous route um i mean all indications are kind of pointing towards an autonomous route it definitely seems like that's what they've kind of honed in on. But I'm a little bit skeptical, if I'm being honest, right? I'm not necessarily am I skeptical if they can pull off a self-driving vehicle, but I'm a little bit skeptical if it's, one, if it's going to be something that people want to buy, that they're going to be interested in buying. And two, you know, we live in North America. I'm skeptical if it's going to be something that they can legally buy and drive, right? You mentioned the, the Audi Sphere concepts that we, we talked about in earlier podcasts, right? It's an amazing concept vehicle. It's, you know, kind of remarkable to see the steering wheel fold into the dashboard when you turn it into autopilot mode. But that's not street legal in, Amer in America. It's not street legal in Canada. It's not street legal, I believe, anywhere in North America, right? That would... I think it'd be level four autonomy, uh, which is part of why Tesla hasn't officially rolled it out yet either, right? They were planning to, they're saying, they've been saying that they're able to, but that's not legal in North America right now. So, you know, let's say even if Apple could pull off this, this feat, you know, this sort of the holy grail of automotive, of the automotive industry, this car that can drive itself doesn't need anybody to to steer doesn't need a human to intervene with it if they could build it out no one would be able to drive it anyway so it's kind of you know maybe apple knows something that we don't know you kind of mentioned this last week when we were talking about you know the whole apple letting people repair their own products maybe they're doing it to get ahead of some of the legislation around right to repair maybe they know that by 2025 whenever this is supposed to be ready Maybe they know at that date, hey, level four autonomous vehicles will be allowed in North America. They'll be allowed in the U.S. They'll be allowed in Europe. You know, maybe they know that there is something like that coming down the, the legal pipeline. But at the moment, I think putting all of their eggs in the whole self-driving basket, it's a little bit risky. But that being said, you know, some of the, the reports, some of the rumors, they sound amazing they sound pretty cool right it's going to be a fully electric vehicle which you know electric vehicles are the future but some of the design uh, elements that we that have kind of been rumored are you know since there is no steering wheel needed there is a setup with the interior where everyone is kind of sitting around the edges of the vehicle almost like a limousine right where you have people sitting on one side all facing each other in the middle because if you have a vehicle that's driving everyone you don't need someone, I guess, watching the road, right? There's not going to be a steering wheel for anyone to intervene. So it's a lot more of a, I guess, a communal 
setup for a vehicle, something that we haven't seen just in everyday, you know, every day-to-day vehicles. Also, there's talks that there could be a giant tablet-like screen, you know, almost a giant iPad screen in the middle of this setup so that people can interact with different media or they can interact with different, you know, projects or videos or presentations, you know, things like this, or I guess things like these design features like these, they do make a driverless vehicle sound very enticing because if you don't need someone to watch the road, if you don't need someone to drive, to maneuver around obstacles, right, it gives you a lot more time and a lot more ability to interact with the people in the car with you. As opposed to, you know, you're kind of looking over your shoulder, trying to pay attention to the passengers and what's going on in the road. This kind of opens up a whole new avenue for interacting with people in the car with you. But as I kind of mentioned before, at the moment, that wouldn't be illegal. If it were to come out tomorrow, no one could drive it in North America. So I'm excited to see what they come up with. This hasn't been announced by Apple yet, right? This is These are all just rumors and speculation, but... Yeah, I'm a little bit worried to see what the uh, the electric vehicle landscape is like whenever they do come out with this vehicle, if they come out with it. Yeah, I mean, that that's a really good point. And, you know, the one thing that made me think about that while you're mentioning, you know, this idea that they want to go with this fully driverless vehicle and, you know, the way the seating arrangement would have changed and stuff like that. It really made me just want a car that didn't have seats and instead just put a bed in there. If I don't have to drive it, let me sleep while the car gets me to where I need to go. Uh, I don't know how how long it would take for consumers in general to feel comfortable, you know, in that kind of position. But if you had a, a seat that wasn't even facing the road to begin with, I mean, that's not that far of a step. And then I'm thinking, well... What happens if these things start to become really high class taxis? Like what happens if, you know, instead of Uber, Apple has these cars that drive around and, you know, you can just go where you need to go. Obviously a bed in, in a in a vehicle like that might not be su- super sanitary, but <laughs> having something that's that's more comfortable, I mean, that's a huge a huge uh, step up. If I need to order a vehicle to take me somewhere really far, uh, I would much rather have something I could lounge in and, you know, maybe have a screen, a giant screen, watch some TV. I would love that, you know, for the future of cars and electric cars. Now, whether or not they can hit that by 2025, even if autonomous driving was legal in the majority of countries by that date, I still don't think that Apple would be able to hit hit that for, for a couple of reasons. One Right now, we were just talking about it on our last topic, every single auto manufacturer is struggling to meet demand uh, because of part supply. And we don't know how long that's going to last. And I don't think as good as, you know, Apple's fantastic at being able to saturate the market with products. Even when they announced the iPhone 12, not this most recent one, but the last, uh, last model, Tim Cook said on a on an earnings call that they were going to struggle to meet demand. But they met it. You know, people who wanted an iPhone 12 were able to get an iPhone 12 when a lot of other companies in the smartphone market weren't able to. So Apple is very good at meeting demand and having a, a strong supply chain. And we're also seeing that with the with the M1 Max, even though they're selling out, they're still 
being able to promise that people are going to be able to get their hands on one relatively soon, um, which unlike other companies like even Valve, who has a lot of money, haven't been able to do with the delay of the Steam Deck. So clearly Apple does have the ability to do that. But when it comes to cars, that's just so much more difficult and so much more parts that you need to source. And, you know, there has been rumors in the past that Apple is trying to partner with, you know, a company to get this done. And they don't even really have that yet, as far as we know. So, yeah, this 2025 date, I mean, if I would be far more surprised if they hit it, even showed off a concept by that date, then, you know, if we probably don't see this thing for another decade or so. But I, I don't know, I might just be... I might just be living too much in the present and, you know, as soon as we're out of this current situation, maybe, you know, there's a big boom in the car market. But I'm curious, what do you think about, one, removing, uh, you know, seats and potentially even putting in a bed in a car, something that's more relaxing? But two, do you think there's any way Apple can hit that 2025 date? I, I don't think they can. I mean, like you said, I would be impressed if they could show off a concept by then. Um, and, you know, like a real world concept at like some sort of, you know, Detroit automotive show, not just something up on a screen, right? Anyone can do mm -hmm. it. But yeah, I would be very surprised if they have a real world concept by 2025. Um, but, you know, I'm going to go back to what I said before. I think it would be better to design a vehicle with a steering wheel, a traditional driving vehicle. and have this obviously still work on the autonomy and the self-driving features, but have this almost as like a side project or not even a side project as the one B let's say, okay, you have your traditional electric vehicle one a, and then your one B you could call it the Apple car pro you could Apple car pro max powered by the <laughs> M you know, five chip by that point. That's what I see making the most sense. But I mean, you know, Apple does a lot of things that don't make sense. They sell wheels for your Mac Pro computer. They sell you a a $5,000 monitor that doesn't come with a stand. They sell you a cleaning cloth that's supposed to only work with their products. You know, they do a lot of things for the sake of selling things. So they could build a driverless vehicle that nobody can actually use on North American roads. They would still <laughs> probably sell out of it. People would buy it just as a stunt. But okay, I spent $100,000 on this car. I can't even drive. Look how crazy this is. You know? <laughs> so, hey, whatever Apple does is going to work, and we're going to talk about it. But I guess my question to you, let's say Elon comes up to you tomorrow, says, hey, would you like this Model 3, but there's no charging ports in it, and there's no wireless charging, and Tim Cook comes up to you tomorrow and says, hey, would you like this Apple car with no steering wheel and all the seats are facing each other? There's no bed in it, but let's say it's a you know, nice, easy boy <laughs> recliner style seat. Which car would you be more interested in? Oh, man, that's, that's actually a tough one. Um, I Okay, assuming that, I, that the car wouldn't crash, I'd go for the Apple car. Just because I think that's that's the cool thing about about us on this podcast is we have different um, priorities when it comes to, to vehicles like you really like to drive vehicles. I can't stand it. <laughs> so, you know, the idea of something driving me around 
it sounds very enticing. And the fact that I could be even more comfortable in it. Now, let's say, for example, that same question was being asked and Tesla self-driving was completely, you know, set up and ready to go alongside with Apple's car. I think I, I would probably be more intrigued by the Tesla just because I'd have the option to take control, um, which would give me a little bit more peace of mind. But yeah, if it was just self-driving or driving myself, Apple versus Tesla, I definitely like Apple's Apple's take. Um, whether or not they can pull it off, I don't know. Uh, you know, Siri isn't that great. So <laughs> whether or not they can actually pull off a self-driving car uh, remains to be seen. But I mean, same question to you. Like, what one would you choose if, you know, you can have a Tesla Model 3, you know, performance, fastest Model 3 that you can get? Or the most luxurious Apple car with powered by an M1 Pro Max processor. No, Which M one do you M5. go for? M5. I hope it's not still an M1. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. M5 Pro Max uh, mini liquid retina XDR chip. Um, <laughs> I mean, I would, I would like, as you said, I like driving cars. I like driving myself. Mm -hmm. I don't. I'm not to say I'm completely opposed to being driven around, but I prefer to drive my vehicles. I mean, if I was the first one in the world presented the the Apple car with the M1 or M5 Pro Max chip in it, I would have to say yes. You know, I'm a, a tech enthusiast, I would have to say yes, just to be the first one with this Apple car. But, I mean, in the long term, I definitely would take the Tesla just because, as you said, mm -hmm. hopefully by 2025, let's say, they have the, the self-driving features worked out. And then if I want to, I can take control of the vehicle myself, too. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, just for the sake of my YouTube channel, just for the sake of this podcast, I would have <laughs> to say yes to the Apple car. Well, what if, you know... Elon said, okay, okay, fine. You want something new. What if we give you our most beautiful vehicle we've ever made? We're going to send you the very first Cybertruck. Which one are you going to take? I was hoping you were going to say the Roadster, but you had to go Cybertruck. <laughs> I'd go the Apple car. No one's seen the Apple car. No, no, no one even knows what it would look like. Yeah. It could just be a giant Apple, silver Apple driving around. <laughs> probably, no, sorry. It'd be a space gray. Definitely space gray. That's their pro color. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which one would you go with? The Cybertruck? Uh, or no, would you go with the Cybertruck? Would you go with the Rivian truck? Or would you go with the Apple car? I mean, if Tesla gave me the Cybertruck for free, I would probably still be embarrassed to buy it, to drive it because that thing is ugly. Um, in my opinion, I think it's one of the ugliest vehicles I've ever seen and I don't like it at all. Uh, so I would take anything over that. The Rivian getting some really crazy reviews is looking really, really cool right now. So, but you know, much like a lot of, of other auto manufacturers, there's a lot of talk about software issues with the Rivian. And if, if anyone knows software, as much as I may not like macOS, Apple's really good at it. So I'll probably still stick with the Apple car. And like you said, I agree with you. That would make a really, really cool video. All right. On to our final topic of the day. Niantic is looking to build a real world metaverse. 
instead of virtual one, like Facebook slash Meta. They recently raised $300 million in funding from KOTU, which puts their company at a valuation of $9 billion. Now, I didn't know this, but Niantic was, I guess, originally spun out of a, a Google division, and they're looking to build a metaverse, but not one like Facebook slash Meta is looking to build. Now, as early as August, the founder and CEO of Niantic, John Hankey, has referred to the metaverse as a dystopian nightmare. Uh, at least that's the virtual reality kind that Mark Zuckerberg is looking to build. Unlike Meta slash Facebook, Niantic wants to develop a technology that will bring people closer to the outside world as opposed to separate them from the from the real world and bring them into a virtual one. Whereas a company like Meta, like Facebook, is looking to build a metaverse to replace our real world. Niantic is looking to build a metaverse on top of our real world. Now, if you haven't heard of Niantic, if you're not familiar with it and you're listening to this podcast, I'm pretty surprised, but they are the makers of Pokemon Go. Pokemon Go is the you know global sensation started in 2016. I'm sure you've heard of you know Pokemon Go and how much it brought people together, how much it brought people in groups, you know, kind of walking around in groups, doing Pokemon battles, Pokemon raids in groups. It it took the world by storm, kind of died down for a bit. And then, you know, the pandemic hit. Everyone was kind of locked up, not necessarily supposed to be going outside. And they kind of updated their features to allow people to play from home. So it kind of gave people a way to interact with their friends while still playing, you know, a game that many found nostalgic from their childhood. Now, in terms of how much revenue they generated in 2020, they earned over $1 billion in revenue. And they're already on track for 2021 to outpace that revenue for this year. So I think Niantic and Pokemon Go know a thing or two about, I guess, what the public, what people are interested in. But my question to you is, you know, have you gotten a chance to look into what Niantic is planning to build, what they're planning to develop? and what their thoughts are on the metaverse. Would you prefer a, I guess it's more of an augmented reality metaverse layered on top of our own, our own metaverse, or would you prefer what Mark Zuckerberg is, you know, trying to build a virtual reality that kind of takes us away from our real world and puts us into a digital world? Yeah, this is, this is a fun one. And it, whether or not it's augmented reality or virtual reality, the one that I would prefer I honestly don't know yet at this point because we're in a situation where kind of like the Apple car, we don't really know what either of those look like. Like we can, we can speculate that maybe a virtual metaverse might look something like ready player one. But I, I mean, we haven't proven that we're able to get to that point yet. And even if we could get to that point, we haven't proven that would be in any way affordable. What, is really cool about this and what's really cool about Niantic is that they have proven that there can be an affordable augmented reality meta game that is plausible right now and not only plausible right now but plausible years and years and years ago uh pokemon go like you mentioned very successful but even before that when they were a part of google 
one of the first games they released, or I believe it was the first game they released, was a game called Ingress, which was almost identical to Pokemon Go, um, just without the the licensing. It was an augmented reality Android game from Niantic and Google, and that came out in 2013. So definitely they've proven that they can bring in, you know, digital assets and digital meta into a real world and it be successful because quite frankly pokemon go was at its height far more popular than any single pokemon game that i can remember in a long time you know pokemon has always been a very po uh popular game and popular brand but the amount of people the fact that you could go to a library and see dozens and dozens of people just standing outside the library catching pokemon together is insane you know that that's something that even nintendo couldn't have imagined when they invented the link cable the, the fact that there could be this amount of, of people and yeah I, I definitely think that niantic's view is more realistic more attainable at this point but you know if, if we're talking about in the the far future i would definitely i would definitely love to see a virtual world that you can go in and you know have a completely different life, a completely different kind of, you know, idea of what the world is supposed to look like. Because at the end of the day, you know, we've seen things from, you know, some of my favorite video games of all time, like Skyrim, just how amazing these worlds can get. And as technology gets better, they're only going to be able to get more, more fleshed out and, and more realistic. So yeah, I, I definitely am more into the virtual side. Now that being said, Facebook or Meta, as their company is now known as, that's the one thing that kind of makes me think twice. Because like we've mentioned so many times in the past, they struggle to make products um, that they make in-house. And I, I would be much more, uh, much more on board if maybe I was hearing something like Microsoft saying they wanted to do this or Sony saying they wanted to do this because they've proven that they can make great hardware and great software. Uh, whereas Facebook hasn't been proven to be able to make either. Despite the fact that they do have Oculus, um, you know, the best versions of Oculus are still not the best VR equipment out there. That's that's with Valve, with the, you know, with the Valve Index. So, yeah, there's there's so many people who are doing what Facebook is trying to do better, and I don't really think there's anyone doing augmented reality better than Niantic. So yeah, it's one of those things where I definitely have a lot of faith in Niantic and I'm kind of curious to see what they do next. But uh, how about you? Did you play uh, Pokemon Go at all? And if so, um, how do you feel about them making a, a fully meta game that maybe encompasses a whole bunch of brands and not just Pokemon? Uh, you know, I've dabbled in Pokemon Go here or there. I think I've played it a couple of times. I've caught a few Pokemon uh, in my career. But... I, in in seeing what Niantic has put out, seeing what John Hankey has said, I definitely see this as a, I guess, more beneficial for humanity in a way. If I'm not, you know, trying to be too, for lack of a better word, more meta or be too meta with it. I think what Pokemon Go has, and I think just what their their take on it is, you know, as you mentioned, it kind of, it brought people together. 
it brought groups of people to the library, took groups of people on walks together, took, you know, groups of people outside. Whereas kind of one of the big things, criticisms about what Zuckerberg is trying to build is it is keeping people indoors, right? It is keeping people kind of locked away and separated. Yes, they are connecting with people virtually, which is definitely a connection, right? You're definitely interacting with people. But the fact that an augmented reality can bring people together in real life, like person to person, I think that is, I think that is a huge plus for what they're looking to build. And the whole idea of augmenting reality. So let's say you are at a statue, you know, you're just walking around or there's some sort of sculpture and you've noticed it before, but you've never really, you know, taken the time to, okay, what is this structure about? When was it built? What was its, what was its purpose? What is the person who designed this? What were they trying to convey? But, you know, in Niantic's vision, you could scan that sculpture and there will be some sort of augmented reality description and it could show you the artist, the sculptor, when it was built, you know, what it was meant to convey to people. And there will be little things like that all over the world. You know, like, you, let's say you see some, some art on the street, you could scan that. Let's say you go to a coffee shop, you could scan their, their AR features and find out more about maybe the founder, when the coffee shop company started, what's, what makes them special. I think building out that is, I think that's going to be a huge part of the future. And, mm -hmm. you know, it's, they've recently unveiled what they're calling the Lightship AR developer kit for free, which kind of takes what they've done with Pokemon Go and what they've been able to accomplish and it puts those sort of tools in everyone's hands and anyone's hands really who is interested in building out um, an AR space, an AR world. And I think that is going to be a huge plus. I mean, we've talked before about the barrier to entry when it comes to something like a VR headset, like an Oculus. The fact that most of, most of the AR games or most of the AR spaces these days are all run on your phone. And most people have a phone compared to how many people have an Oculus headset or even just any sort of VR period, you know, mm -hmm. I think that really opens up the world and really makes it a lot easier for people to get into augmented reality as opposed to virtual reality. So, I mean, I think both of them have their merits. Both of them will be useful in the future, but I think my view of what's, Niantic is doing is I guess a bit more positive and you know like you said maybe it's just because it's Facebook because it's Meta because it's Zuckerberg maybe I just don't trust them but you know I'm not saying he's an inherently evil person but I'm just going to say the company doesn't have a good track record so um, but yeah, yeah I don't know I think I like what Niantic is doing and I'm looking to see how this metaverse how all these metaverses develop in the future. Yeah. Yeah. To quote the, the great old El Paso commercial, why not both, right? Why not have augmented reality and a virtual reality metaverse, uh, you know, so people can, you know, do both. And I think you're right. Like a virtual reality universe, there's a lot of, there's a lot of worry from people that, Hey, they're going to be stuck in this world and never leave. But I think that's, 
that's the fear of everything, right? Like too much of anything can be bad for you. But I think there's also so many cool things that you could do with a virtual reality world. Like we've mentioned in the past, being at, at a sports game, maybe not a sports game, <laughs> being at a sporting event and not, um, and you know, not having to pay a ton of money for a ticket, but still feeling like you're there or even having an educational experience where you could be transported, you know, 50 million years in the past and see what the world looked like. And, you know, maybe getting information on fossils and dinosaurs and stuff like that. Something that you probably couldn't do with AR because you're still in, in your reality. Whereas in VR, you can be transported to a whole new reality and kind of have different experiences. So yeah, I think you're 100% right. Why not both? Another thing too, you know, when it comes to AR, Pokemon Go kind of, they've caught, they've gotten some negative press in the past because, you know, we talked a lot about people meeting up in person and going on walks together and going to parks together. But in terms of how, let's say, gamers, how players with mobility disabilities weren't mm-hmm. able to access, you know, certain functions of the game, a lot of their games rely on okay, you have to walk one kilometer, you have to walk five kilometers, you have to cover a certain amount of distance and able to access certain features in the game, which, you know, if you're talking about promoting physical activity and getting outside, that is a great thing. But let's talk about someone who is, who's mobility challenge, right? Who isn't able to walk around outside, right? Or who is able to walk around, but can't necessarily walk five kilometers in one day, mm-hmm. one go like that, right? So they, they've had issues like that in the past and they've addressed issues and they've added more features for people who are mm-hmm. mobility challenged in the past. But in terms of augmented reality versus virtual reality, you completely eliminate that as a problem if you're talking about virtual reality, right? So that's something that virtual reality can offer to someone that augmented reality can't. And Mark Zuckerberg has talked about augmented reality features to the metaverse too you know he has talked about you know in an art exhibit outside that they're visiting and you know we can tip the pro tip the creator to have this virtual augmented art exhibit stay around a bit longer so he has talked about augmented reality but it seems that their focus is more on creating a separate digital world mm-hmm. almost to supplant the real world whereas it seems like niantic's focus is more on creating a digital world on top of our existing one. Yeah. Uh, any closing statements for the episode? Uh, no, I'm just, honestly, I'm, I'm kind of really excited of what the future of, of VR and electric cars are. I'm just imagining being able to have on a VR headset made by Meta while I'm sitting in my Apple car being driven from place to place in a completely virtual world, maybe like Skyrim 10, I'm running around killing dragons while my car is driving me to, to work. I don't know. It just sounds cool. Yeah, definitely a cool feature. Uh, take it easy, everyone in podcast. Catch you in the next episode.